I remember having the thought years ago, like, it would be cool to have a nun friend. I remember thinking that. Sure. And then I Googled, could I be friends with a nun? And that is a common question out there. I'm Anne McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we're talking about nuns. We are talking about nuns. I can't wait. It's not the first time nuns have come up on this podcast, and it no. definitely won't be the last. Not if you have anything to say about it. I, I have some strong feelings about nuns. And, uh,. <laughs> I have a goal to have some current or former nuns on the I know or religious sisters uh, on the podcast. So maybe one day. But today we're just we're chatting about them. So Steph, last time we talked, it was pre uh, pre Holy Week, pre Easter. Uh-huh. How'd that all go for you? I mean, in my lapsed world, pretty easy. <laughs> uh, did you go to church? We did not. You didn't. We no. did not. Did you? I went to our methodist church but only on um palm sunday <laughs> palm sunday is a good one you gotta get the free stuff like you said the free stuff the free palm but yeah tell me about your easter well it's funny because we were trying to do like a bunch of family things but all my aunts and uncles and mother-in-law they went to like all of the services mm, like full holy week oh full holy week so it was just very interesting they're like oh i can't do this i've got mass again i don't know so i just i was like i don't i don't think we did full holy week the last time i ever did that i was a kid that is a commitment we had a listener say something about this and i saw this word come up several times it's tr- i don't know how to how do you say this word tridum try tridum try t-r-i-d-u-u-m that's the degree to which i know this is the thing i don't even know how to say it triduum going full holy week triduum oh i just made i just made my computer <laughs> say it hang on we're Thank gonna do you. it again yeah triduum, triduum. Thank you, Google. Again, I'm sure I was like tested on all these things at a certain point. I mean, you were. We didn't get that deep in uh, no. CCD. I'm sure I was, but I like. Did my teachers even know how to say that? No, this was not a word that was thrown around. No, a lot of Catholic words were thrown around, but this was not one. I don't even think we ever did Saturday because mm. I still like always thought of like Saturday's your day off, bef- like in the <laughs> middle of it all. But I know now that that's like the big one that's the long one yeah i mean you know theologically because i follow some catholic uh i don't know father jim martin and stuff but also non-catholic kind of christian progressive folks on social media right now kind of for this podcast Mm -hmm. and kind of because i'm curious and um yeah i mean saturday was the day like it's a day where something really bad has just happened (laughs) right it's the day where somebody has just died and it's like kind of dashed you know it's this day where you're like well shoot I thought I gotta get you this. My husband's very into this guy. It's like he has a YouTube channel where he makes like crazy charts. Love a good chart. And he's been doing this one like who wrote the Bible? It's like Ew. massive flow chart things are very good. But he had one about like when did Jesus actually die? And it like goes mm. through the historical context of it. it's very nerdy. And so I do appreciate it. But we watched it for Easter. <laughs> I love the that chart. way of celebrating Easter. <laughs> Just nerding out on like historical stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of down for that. It was great, but it was really interesting. The guy who does the channel, he's a practicing Jewish person, but he was not raised Jewish. So he's Mm -hmm. got like an interesting context about it. 
but it really goes into it was just like all the Passover and how people kept calendars back then and things were governed by the moon still and it's just very interesting to see like what how it all lines up and what days are really real but I think more than Christmas, it's pretty clear that Jesus was killed in the spring. So it feels a little more authentic than. All right. I didn't even know that. Christmas, we're just like, we'll just put it here. Yeah. But yeah, it's like pretty close because of Passover and that connection. Right. That makes sense. We actually celebrated at the right ish time. I guess we do have that context. (laughs) We have the Jewish calendar to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, we did Palm Sunday, and uh, but I do need to tell you about Palm Sunday because this I, I, f- I filed this under things that would never have happened growing up at my Catholic church. Okay. So this is our first time back at church since the beginning of the pandemic, our first time mm. in person at like Sunday church with mm-hmm. my kids who did not remember. Uh, they have had like outdoor, they had like an ice cream truck. Every time my, my three-year-old thinks that church involves like ice cream and toys and stuff because we only really go when they're doing good he thinks it's great he thinks church is like the children's museum or the zoo or something so we went to church and i'm talking up the palms like you guys you get a palm it's very exciting we get to wave it my kids could care less about the palms the usher or the woman who was like giving us the bulletins or almost forgot to give us a palm and i was like we get palms right so we all had our palms so the start of the service as i was hoping the minister walks in and everything and then children with their palms and a pony <laughs> a full pony on the back of the pony is a child a three-year-old actually the son of our mutual friend who happens to be the children's oh rebecca very talented actor rebecca ward yeah she happens to work at the church and so her son is on the back like i guess in the in the role of jesus not dressed or anything but just you know in the role of jesus on the back of this pony. Three-year-old Jesus? Not just any pony. A rainbow-colored pony, full <gasps> rainbow mane, rainbow tail, and rainbow polka dots on this pony's oh, fur. Yes. This is happening in church. Like, beginning, like, we're singing a hymn, and then this pony just walks in with a child rainbow on its back. Pony. Then the pony gets, like, almost to the front and just poops on the floor. No. In church. Crazy. No. I was impressed with the the level to which like children held it together because I think I would have like freaked out. They were just like, oh yeah, the pony poop. No big deal. They had like a thing on the floor in case of that. Like and just for okay, the you know they were prepared. But it was the first time this has ever happened and the church has been doing it for a long time. That's what the minister said. Is it like a groundhog moment? Like does this abode for a good year? <laughs> the pony poops in church. The rainbow that means pony poops on the church. Spring will be here tomorrow (laughs) and then there was like a very quick couple words like sermon that was directed to the kids and then the kids got to leave and go have a full-on pony rides and petting zoo (gasps) in the parking lot there was a pony i guess neither of my kids were brave enough to ride the pony but they did feed it some carrots there were goats and llamas that they were feeding and our church doesn't have a lot of kids so there was like a really like they really got to spend a lot of time with the animals. They had a great time. And then there was a little wow. talk, I think, about like Palm Sunday and stuff. Like they sat in a circle and Rebecca kind of talked to them about the story. But you and I are like, give us a piece of grass. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> the the palm the was like the most exciting part. They have full on petting zoo. You just peace out on church and you go to a petting zoo. 
I would have lost my mind. I know. There's a Catholic priest here who has a dog. And Mm. during the pandemic, when he was doing video mass, we're still in the pandemic, but during the shutdown, he like had his dog with him in the church during when he was giving the service. And that was wild. Oh, yeah. People probably losing their minds. Dog in the church. What is happening? Oh, that's really cute, actually. Animals make everything fun. But a horse, that's a whole other... that's a horse of a different color. Um, <laughs> it was literally a horse of many different colors. Many colors. That's cool. It was great. And then they did the egg hunt that day. And then we didn't go to church on Easter because we were going to my mom's and I, I had offered to make Aww. several things. So I just cooked that. We did Easter Bunny. And cooked. What, what did you make? Oh, we made a quiche and I made deviled eggs. Of course. It was my mom's house. It was me and my brother and his wife and um, a couple other extended family relatives and my good friend and her family and then her sister and her husband because uh, for as much as I am like, oh, I'm not part of this sort of like Irish Catholic enclave. Of course, one of my best friends from high school, her sister married one of my brother's best friends from high school. Uh... So even though we're like, none of us live there anymore, but there's this way in which everyone marries everybody. We still and as good and and stays good friends with people they went to Catholic school with and and marries people from other Catholic schools that happened. So just how things work in that even those of us who are no longer practicing Catholic, it's like we can't get away from the like insular nature or like marrying people who had this similar. (laughs) Anyway, so we all had Easter together. It was very nice. That's good. Yeah. Did you make your Easter bread? I did. I love my I should have sent you a picture of it. I still have a picture of it. I want to see a picture. Deep in my bread baking world. And I did arrive there before 2020. Um, but I, I love making my Easter bread with the sprinkles on it. And because we have chickens, I've got darker eggs Ooh. to die. Yeah. So that's always very like it's a process getting those the colors on the eggs. Something about dyeing the eggs from your own chickens like very like spring the chickens are producing <laughs> eggs and you're gonna that feels very right i love it we gave our chickens like special treats because i was like you're you're creating the symbols of our <laughs> our time you get little this is your day you and the bunnies you're it's your little princesses <laughs> and i'm all pregnant so it's just i was like every fertile fertility are- is <laughs> everywhere you are the goddess ostra i don't even know much I about her like- but that's I, it feels good. Just all fertility. Did you ever watch that show American Gods or read the book by Neil Gaiman? No. Kristen Chenoweth plays Estra or Estra. Oh. And she has this moment where she like blossoms. <laughs> and it's just like every time we mention her, I'm like, I love that. Is that how you feel right now? I do. I just hit my third trimester, so I'm still feeling the power. Yeah. I love the it. Good it's great. You and the chickens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, we're all we're all just producing eggs and stuff over here. <laughs> Do we want to get into Catholicism in the news? I mean, two, I guess, bigger ones. There's New Jersey. I don't know if you saw what happened in New Jersey. No. Um, The diocese in Camden, which is close to Philadelphia, they just settled one of the biggest settlements, I guess. $87.5 million to settle a sex abuse suits in the diocese. I think there's 300 complaints. Oh my gosh. It's a long time coming and it's a big diocese. And so they, they finally are, are making some traction over there, which is good and sad always. But it's nice that finally all these uh, victims are, are getting some recognition. And the Bishop of Camden is working towards accountability. 
abuse survivors who filed a claim in the bankruptcy could get 290000 each. So something to handle some therapist bills. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, the church is sure good for it. I just saw some statistic that like they can't even quantify how much money exactly the Catholic Church has because between between everything that it owns and all the land and stuff. Land and real estate and And art. Yeah. All of it. It's crazy. It's devastating that this happened and that that it has been treated so much like a PR issue rather than an actual issue with human beings. Yeah. Right. It's like money is good to work towards accountability, but it's not. It's got to be also like, how are we how are we ensuring this never happens again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which we're not because it still happens. I, where do you how do you get trust back? I think is a large, large question. I know people peripherally who have been abused within the catholic church family friend of mm-hmm. from my uncles like stuff like that like but no one very close and immediate so i've never really heard from anybody firsthand who's had to deal with it but um yeah i mean although that's one of those things you don't know necessarily right someone no. might have not said anything or they might not have right. said, any, said anything to me right that actually so one of the stories that i did bring uh, is hyper local. It has to do not with a priest, but d- with the Catholic Church and with um, sexual abuse. Okay. There's a woman here where I live in Oak Park. She's a journalist and works for mm-hmm. the local newspaper and um, attended the local uh, high school here, Fenwick, which is run by Dominicans. And there is not a clergy member, but a teacher there who uh, has, it seems like for years, has been notorious for being inappropriate with um female students both sexual harassment and actual physical inappropriate kinds of touching that he has always sort of played off and it also sounds like throughout the years this is sort of like known behavior and there were jokes about among students about being him being creepy because this was Mm. known and things were said and done in front of other students and that the leadership heard many times that this happened and various things happened. He was taken away from coaching, but kept on as a teacher or he sort of had a leave of absence and then came back and the behavior has never stopped. So they kind of went through the channels that the school had asked them to go through, but this guy is still teaching there and still has access to students. So this, her name is Helen Quinn Payson is this journalist and this woman who has very bravely come forward, not her, not just her, but many other, other women as well to talk about what this man did. Um, The teacher's name is John Quinn and he's the brother of uh, the former governor of Illinois, which might be why, Maybe he Uh has held the power to stick around. So this is a something currently going on in my own community. And she has had to come out with, you know, she's a journalist, so it has been written about, but she also has had to post some YouTube videos explaining her own story and then reading um, testimonies from other students, some who have chosen to remain anonymous and some who haven't. And just try, currently this guy still teaches at the school. Is there any community backlash? Like, oh, but he's a beloved member. Like, Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think there has been kind of throughout. And I have certainly seen, even in local, like in the comments on the newspaper or in local Facebook groups, people 
doubting her story um and doubting other women's stories even you know even other women and other mothers doubting their stories or why didn't you come forward or if you did come forward in this way i can't believe nothing was done or you know just excuse after excuse so Uh it's a difficult thing to do and it's a brave thing to do especially when you are trying to ensure that um this stops happening to students right all right well keep us updated if you read i will there's been a couple articles in our local newspaper, the Wednesday Journal, but one titled Don't Expect Justice from the Dominicans and kind of, Ooh. I don't have any strong feelings about Dominicans, but it does go into some previous issues with um, sexual assault not being addressed or swept under the rug by Dominicans. So, okay, yeah, this stuff is still still not being taken seriously. Nah. You'd think everyone would be at least scared PR-wise enough to do something, but not even that. Yeah. One thing, real quick, I have to put this out there because this may never come up again and it has to be in our podcast. Did you hear about what happened in Spain? No. With Burger King. What? (laughs) I feel like I, of all the things I expected you to say, it wasn't this. So Burger King got in trouble because they put out a bunch of Holy Week ads promoting their- I didn't even know they had Burger King in Spain, first of all. Of course I assumed McDonald's, but Burger King? Okay. So they have a new vegetable-based burger, a vegetarian burger, and their ad campaign, of course, it was in Spanish, but this is two of the ads. I'll just read it to you. It says, take all of you and eat of it, which doesn't have meat, 100% vegetarian, 100% flavor, big king vegetable. And another ad read, flesh of my flesh, but crossed out the word flesh and replaced it with vegetable. (laughs) I mean... Of course, I want to laugh too. People were really mad, and I could, I could totally see that. <laughs> and so Burger King had to issue a like, "Oh, our bad. We didn't know you'd get mad." And I was like, "Uh, yeah. You can't just put like Jesus in your ad campaign <laughs> on Holy Week. It's a tough, it's a tough call. I think that would totally tickle some people, like us. Uh, yeah. Some people really appreciate that kind of stuff, and some people really, really don't. don't. I was about to be like, this sounds great. Like, it's great to have, you know, non-meat options for the Friday, yeah. Fridays in Lent and the Absolutely. other days that you're not having meat. But I see the, I could see how that would upset people. Not me personally, but I do see it. So I just have to let you know, Burger King's in deep. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's talk about nuns. I can't wait. You're mm. going to have to educate me. So, Steph, I know when we had talked about this, you sort of said that you don't feel like you have a ton of background with nuns. No, I mean, they definitely did not teach CCD. Right. And there were only lay people at my Catholic school. We didn't have priests. Okay. We didn't, you didn't have, have any nuns. Anything. And I was really disappointed because I was like, um, the whole point of being here. I was told there would be nuns. <laughs> yeah. So my experience with nuns is basically like mostly movie based between like mm. Sound of Music, Sister Act and just like story. Oh, like- Sound of Music. Yeah. My image of nuns is like they will hit you on the hand with rulers. Yeah. Like that is what they do. Will you feel do. like you got that image from your dad and aunts and uncles? I think that came from them. I don't even know if they had nuns as their teachers either, but mm. like, or I, but I think their teachers just hit them on the hands with rulers because that was what you did back then. Whether they were nuns or not. Right. The only like nun experience like my family had is we were visiting mm-hmm. family in Europe when I was. 15 my brother was like 10 or 11 and we were in Belgium and we did something and we lost my little brother 
Like, oh no, lost him in Belgium. <laughs> That's actually terrifying. I remember my mom being like really, really scared, but she knew him because this was like from a very young age. I guess he was religious, and so she went right back to like the church that we had been at. She's like, "That's where he'll be," and we found him, and he was like sitting with all these nuns and just like <laughs> chatting with them. This okay, so A, I just want to say this sounds like the story where Mary and Joseph lose Jesus and they find him in the temple. So Oh, I love it. Yes. He'll love that. Maybe your brother's like the second coming. That's amazing. No, let's not tell him that. Um <laughs> I understand. I wouldn't tell my brother that kind of thing either. This little boy and these nuns, and he was just like fully comfortable holding like, holding court space with, with a bunch them. of yeah. Belgian nuns. Mm-hmm. That's funny because there's actually, so I had a nun in my family, but a great, great aunt, but there's a picture of my brother that I found after my grandmother died. I was looking through all her photo albums and sent it to my brother and his now current wife to show my, his wife, what a ladies man he has always Ah! been. There's a picture of him, I don't know, five years old in like a little suit for some party, just mobbed by nuns, just so many nuns. I mean, he's adorable and clearly they just went to him like a magnet. Little boy in a suit. They couldn't stay away. But there's just all these nuns like fawning over him. I love it. It's like, guess he's always been kind of a ladies man. Check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Cute. But that's that's like the extent of my personal nun experience. So I, every time you mention nuns, especially like in your education, I'm a little bit jealous and I want to know everything. I don't know that jealous is quite the correct response. I just feel like that's like the key. That's like oh one gosh. of the missing things of like saying I was a lapsed Catholic school. You don't have the, the nun person. stories. I don't have any nun stories. Okay. So I feel like nuns actually played particularly on my, with my grandma and my mom's side of things played a pretty big role in my life from early on. My first grade teacher was a nun. She was like my, I don't know, one of the early teachers. In general, I don't think of nuns as being like, I don't know, the nuns who taught me at least. The sense I have of nuns, I don't know if this is for, I mean, you talked about like the rulers. At the point I was at, we were not getting corporal punishment, so there was no Mm. hitting or anything. Lots of yelling from everybody, uh, from all our (laughs) teachers, but no hitting. But just like this sort of, like nuns have a sort of sternness, at least when they're teaching and when they're in charge of something. Like this is my, this was always my sense, like kind of like no nonsense and on top of things, not like unkind necessarily, just kind of like stern. Uh huh. There are several stories in my family, like my mom talking about growing up having nuns teaching her, both my aunt on my mom's side and my uncle on my dad's side told me that they hit a nun at some point. They hit they, a nun? They had gotten in trouble for hitting a nun. I'm probably going to do an interview with at least one of them at some point to find yeah, out more. Yeah, I need to know all of that. My aunt, all her favorite stories of her childhood is like her getting in trouble. That was sort of who she was. But my <laughs> uncle, <laughs> my I uncle was not that person, I don't think. I mean, I think the reason that ended up happening is because nuns were hitting kids all the time. And he just couldn't take it anymore. And physically, when someone is hitting you, you go into fight or flight. And sometimes that looks like hitting back. I mean, if you just keep hitting yeah. children, you're probably going to get hit back at some point, whether yeah. they mean to or not. Because Eventually, the kid's going to get big enough to hit back. Yeah. And what do you do when someone hit? I mean, if someone if someone is literally hitting you and you are a child, what do you? I don't know. Shouldn't hit people is kind of the moral of and the story children are is... people. Yeah, that's a surprising leap for some people. So nuns 
they were around. They were my teachers. They were my principals. A lot of my principals were nuns when I was younger. And my mom was a secretary at my school. So like her bosses were the principals who were nuns. And my my grandma had friends who were nuns. So there was a sense that like this was these were people to respect. And I don't know if this is because of my mom's kind of feeling about it. There was like a little bit of like campiness and humor around the idea of nuns. Like I would get my grandma a calendar of like nuns doing silly things mm-hmm. for Christmas. And that was like fun to her. Or she had like a boxing nun puppet. Um, so nuns are like, there's always this something a little bit funny about nuns. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of affectionate in the way that you are when you love someone. I feel like I was getting these mixed messages about nuns. My grandma did have friends who were nuns. And oh. her, one of her favorite stories that she told. So my grandma worked at the rectory of her church when she was when when her kids were young and going to school mm-hmm. there and ended up marrying the music teacher there. So my oh. my my mom and her. So she was divorced and then got remarried to my mom's band teacher, basically, <laughs> which must have been awkward for your teacher to yeah. suddenly become your stepfather. But anyway, the two of them several times told me this story. He was not a super chatty guy. So the fact that he told the story several times, I mean, it apparently had an impression on him. They were driving somewhere, my grandma, my grandpa, and these nuns, and probably my my mom and her siblings. I, they're going to some Catholic thing. And they had some of the nuns in their car, my grandma and grandpa did. And then uh-huh. um, some of the nuns were in the convent car ahead of them. And my grandpa was driving, my step-grandpa, technically. And there was the license plate of the nun's car in front of them was CV something something. And okay. my grandpa was just trying to make conversation. He had a nun in the car. He's probably just trying to be very respectful and whatever. So it's CV something. And he said, oh, sister, does the CV stand for anything in particular? You know, I was thinking a saint or something. Sure. Her reply was chubby virgins. Whoa. <laughs> I was not expecting you to say that. I know. You just drank water and I was waiting for you to finish. So you didn't do a spit take on your mic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's the best i thought she was gonna say something like no you idiots you have some convent but like oh, it probably did spit stand for convent but chubby virgins she had that oh, one in her back pocket and she's ready uh... to go oh i like that nun. <laughs> me too like i feel like that was not a side of nuns i got to see necessarily but i was aware no. that nuns were kind of people and um right make jokes like chubby virgins yeah, so my great grandmother, who was living until I was like ten or something, her one of her sisters was a nun. Uh-huh. Sister Spencer. She wasn't around much, but sometimes she would just be there. This nun. She was very quiet, and she would just like randomly be at a family party, especially if it was like a communion or a baptism. And she always had the religious gifts for us, like the rosaries uh, and the prayer books. And yeah, but she was kind of quiet. My mom said growing up a couple things. One is that they were not allowed to see her eat. She had to eat by herself. And so it was like, it was time for sister to eat. You all have to leave. <laughs> really? And they all called her. Everyone called her name was Gertrude. But when she was very young, she became a nun and um, like 19 or something, I think. And she became Sister Spencer, which is spouse of means spouse of Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. And everyone called her Sister Spencer or just Spencer. They called her, even her siblings referred to she her changed. by her new name. What, is that a nun thing or is that a Spencer thing that you can't watch a nun eat? Or I, so I feel like I have seen this somewhere else. I don't. It's not all nuns for sure, but I think there is something 
Like it's a pra- it's a spiritual practice. I like should have looked this up. Yeah. Watch nuns eat. <laughs> Can you watch <laughs> nuns eat? I don't oh. see it here, but uh we'll look it up later. I just yeah. remember that was a weird thing. And also there was a thing where my mom and her sisters at some point sister sponsor took them aside and talked to them about becoming a nun recruit like trying to recruit people like recruiting them like if you were interested this is a lifestyle you could do and they were all like no thank you uh uh whenever i saw her she was she sometimes was by herself but oftentimes she'd bring other nuns with her somewhere so there'd be like a pack of these nuns in their full brown habits and uh yeah just in a pack i'll call each other sister 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 This is sort of a complicated memory, but I remember, so my dad died when I was eight and we were, he was not a religious man. And we were at this wake with all his friends who he grew up with in Catholic school. So all these like large dudes (laughs) and all these nuns walked in and these guys looked terrified (laughs) and it was sister Spencer with all her little nun friends and they were tiny and all these men were much bigger than them. They just looked very uncomfortable. Like, why are there all these nuns here? I didn't sign up for this. You're right. Because I think growing up, like, this was the... Nuns were intimidating. They Yes. Oh, we had a... I didn't even put this in my notes. And also, in first grade, my first grade teacher was a nun. She was fine. There was another nun named Sister Roberta, and she worked our lunch hour, whatever. You know, she worked uh-huh. lunch, and she had these metal scissors, and she was absolutely terrifying to us. Terrifying. She held scissors? To open things for us. Oh. That was her job. <laughs> But she would come and start yelling and like tell us to be quiet. And I'm like, we were six year olds eating lunch. Like, I don't, were we, did we have to be quiet? So she was, she would yell at us and she'd bang the scissors on the table, which just made an awful noise for like when you're six years old. Like, that's scary. And she, she had like a long black habit. She looked very intimidating and she was always yelling at us. I have memories from when I was six of the boys sitting around me would have a plan for how they're going to like disarm her. So she would walk in and they'd say, like, oh, sister, I love your cross pin. I remember saying, There was not much to compliment. She was in a full yeah. just habit, but she had a, a pin that was a cross. They would say, oh, sister, that's so pretty. I love your cross pin. And she would say, oh, thank you. And then sometimes she wouldn't bang the scissors or yell at us because she was uh, like kind of flattered. Yeah, they flattered. <laughs> but she was very scary. And to the point that my good friend went to the principal to tell her that Sister Roberta was too scary. And could she please ask her to stop being so scary? Wow. Yes. Like we were scared to go to lunch because of this nun. And they're like, no, we put her there on purpose. You're too loud. And I remember pointing her out to my dad. I think the only time he would ever have been in church would have been for my communion. And I think I pointed her out and he was like, oh, yeah, she is scary. <laughs> I did it for him, too. <laughs> they brought him back to his youth in that particular because he went to that school. I don't think she taught him. But um, yeah, nuns were nuns were stern to scary in my uh-huh. experience so that's when i was younger once i got older i went to a high school that was run by the sisters of mercy there were not a ton of nuns my choir teacher was a nun and there were a couple other sisters of mercy around they were much less scary i think there was still a sternness they didn't wear the habit most of them they kind of looked oh. like grandmas grandmas okay. with like sensible outfits and haircuts like nothing <laughs> fancy you know i remember we had this this nun, Sister Ellen Marie, who was our choir teacher, and then I was in a cappella choir. So that was a smaller group of girls. So I felt like you got more of an interaction with her in those situations. Uh-huh. She was older. 
I think we would roll her eyes a little because she wanted us to do kind of old fashioned songs, you know, and we want to do like cool mm-hmm. hip songs. And she made us wear these outfits that I swear made us look like pilgrims. Like we would go out caroling places and she, you that know, sounds about right. yeah, we wanted to be cool and hip and she was like traditional. And, but uh-huh. I do have a memory of going to seeing at like an old person's home, <laughs> like a retirement <laughs> home. And we were teenagers and trying to be cool, but I think we noticed it to the point that we talked to each other about it, watching her talk with these people. And it's like her whole demeanor changed. And I remember her really getting down and talking to these older people, like sitting, you know, in their Mm. wheelchairs and whatever, and just really like holding their hand and really being present with them in a way that I think struck us. And it did feel different. It felt different than that teacher mode where you're, I feel like there's almost like a I mean, how I guess how many of us are when we're trying to do like classroom management, right? Where you're trying to put on this thing of, but even more so for nuns, I think this thing of like, I am not your friend. Like I'm here to teach you. I'm here to be strict, but that all fell away. And I do think there is like this other side where I do feel like nuns are often doing that really important work with people in the church Um, or like the nuns on the bus. Connecting. Oh yeah. Nuns on the bus. My image of nuns kind of just like the Catholic church, I feel like in general kind of runs that whole gamut of like these very strict people, very kind of stuck. They have to vow poverty, chastity, and obedience. But there's this other side where it's like, these are women who have given up the idea of having their own family, um, of being married, of, of having a lot of nice things. I can't think of many other groups or many other kinds of lifestyles where you don't have a family, you're living in community and your life is about service and like Mm -hmm. prayer and meditation. I can't think of anyone else doing that (laughs) except none. And it's just orders. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty admirable in some ways. I think. I used to think like the more I learned about nuns, I was like, if I was born in a different time period and I feel like a lot of women maybe did this, but it was like, if you want to escape a traditional marriage or like getting married young or like a, a life of servitude to a husband, the idea that you could get an education by becoming a nun. There was that ability to sort of be able to like grow yourself as a person. And I guess I, I could have, I could see having done that at a certain, in a, in a certain time period. Absolutely. And I think that's an interesting gift. That was- when those were the options is like get married and have to raise a family, but for people who didn't want to. So I think a couple of things like, Certainly historically and currently, I think there are queer women who have, especially when there was really just all stigma about being out as a queer person. Like, I mean, not that long ago, like several decades ago, that was an option, right? To Mm -hmm. Because you didn't have to marry a man. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was thinking about with currently, like, I feel like there's more of a conversation happening about people being asexual and not interested in a romantic relationship. And there still is a big, I think there is still a big stigma in our society around that of someone choosing not to ever partner. Yeah. And that's an option for someone who wants who wants a community and wants to live with other people but doesn't want a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. I think this is an option for people. Mm-hmm. So there is a difference between Catholic nuns and Catholic religious sisters. Oh, I did not know this. Tell me more. Yes. Okay. I found a I found a chart. <laughs> I love a chart. I will read some of these to you. I have no you have no ideas. You can just guess. You can tell me if you think this is nuns. This is a quiz. Nuns, sisters, or both, I'm going to say. Okay, great. I love a quiz. Okay. So they live and pray in silence in a cloistered or semi-cloistered convent or monastery. Is that a nun or a sister? Oh, I feel like we've talked about nuns being (laughs) in your school, so I'm going to go sister. 
It's actually a nun. So what? nun. So here's the deal. <laughs> nun is actually a misnomer. Most Catholics use the term nun to mean nun and religious sister. Uh-huh. And in popular culture, especially, everybody uses those. But nuns are actually cloistered, and their main focus in their life is prayer and reflection. Uh-huh. And sometimes I think, like, like I think communion wafers are often made at um, monasteries with cloistered nuns. Like, things that don't actually require interacting with the public. Mm. Sisters are, when you're thinking of, like, teachers, when you're thinking of religious women religious who work in hospitals who even like there are women religious who even like are running hospitals that is sisters so sisters are more on the community nuns are more cloistered and most of their life is prayer so is like nun is to monk as sister as to priest a little bit a little a little bit except priests still have way more uh well power and power yes yeah well as much as we can equate men and or female roles and male roles traditionally, but right. But like, I think there's sisters are school principals. Sisters are uh, CEOs of hospitals. I mean, there are okay. sisters who actually you think about it, do wield a good bit of power when you're looking at these Catholic run institutions, I would say. Okay. Okay. Illuminated. All right. So let's see. They take vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. Do you think that sisters, nuns are both? Both. It is both. But yes. nuns take, what I found is nuns take solemn perpetual vows, all these words like perpetual, uh, of chast- chastity, poverty, and obedience. Sisters take simple or temporary or perpetual vows of temporary and obedience. Yeah, I didn't find too much. I, I didn't learn as much about I'll do that. do for a year. <laughs> um, who wears a habit? Sisters, nuns, or both? And the habit, just for anyone who doesn't know, is like the head covering that we see nuns wear sometimes both so nuns definitely have to wear one sisters uh-huh. some do and some don't and that could be by order or that could also be okay. a personal choice right. i think all sisters are welcome to wear them i think some orders it's like yeah everybody wears these and some are like it's up to you got it they renounce all ownership of their property to dedicate their entire life to serving god nuns yes so nuns <sighs> renounce all ownership of property everything I mean, nothing sisters kind of do that too they can retain ownership over inheritance or trusts but they're not allowed to use that income so they can retain ownership but in their day-to-day life and i don't really know how that works like i don't know if this just they just have to have a will of where that's going to go when they die or whatever they are allowed to legally have it okay like have an inheritance or something but they're not allowed to spend that day-to-day so the idea is still that you're living a simple life yeah okay and then lives a contemplative life. I feel like all of them should be contemplative. So I'm going to go with both. I mean, this chart says it's nuns, but I do think there is there is a that contemplative element to sisters. Like, I mean, from what I understand, they're up at like five in the morning praying at least like an hour and a half oh, every day. And it's yeah. throughout the day you have different prayers. So there is a lot of prayer involved either way. But sisters also live an active life with the public in, usually in some way. Right. Um, just, or they can. Mm-hmm. They can got it so <laughs> this sounds crazy but i feel like we all have internet rabbit holes we like to go down yes sometimes you know like a random wikipedia that you're just mm-hmm. gonna suddenly learn and then you start googling and then you look at youtube videos there's a genre video that i feel like i stumbled upon years ago and i found it fascinating and have gone down this rabbit hole several times which is there are just videos of women talking about how they became nuns or why they became nuns. Oh. Particularly younger women like our age. What? 
I'm trying to understand why it fascinates me so much. And I think it's the idea of someone my age, someone I could have been friends with in Catholic school. I don't think I know anyone who became a nun. Like, I don't, but I have no idea. Uh, There's no one I know of who I went to school who became a sister or a nun. Uh huh. But it's so fascinating to me that someone would make that choice. Right. It is such a big choice. Right. So there are these videos. I'd love for you to watch short clips of these videos. Okay. So this first one. Here we go. I started doing adoration every night for like an hour. My friend and I kept each other accountable to that. So, I mean, you give the Lord silence and time and like he's going to speak. So I just remember, I felt like every time I opened up the scripture, there was something like, Israel being pursued by the Lord or like song of songs or something in the Psalms about like God pursuing us and I was like what's going on and then um I just remember one particular holy hour that was really blessed and I remember I just remember thinking um I just felt like I need to look into the sisters and I was like I feel like I'm called to be a sister and then I kind of like oh my goodness like I don't know what to do with this so praise God, they just started having sisters there that semester, and it was our sisters, our two of our sisters. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go talk to them. That's scary, but I'm gonna do it. So I was afraid that she was gonna be like, here's a pamphlet, you know, like come visit us when we come back. And but she was so good. She was just like, just let the Lord pursue your heart. Just let Him do that for a while. Just see what happens. And I was like, I can do that. You know, I can, I can do that. So this is a sister, her name is Sister Sarah Rose, T-O-R, and she's with the Franciscan Sisters, T-O-R, of Penance of the Sorrowful Mother. It's a mouthful. Wow. Yes. So in the clip I sent you, yeah. do you want to explain what she is talking about? Well, she's talking about listening to scriptures and how God like pursued people um, and then realizing all of a sudden that she was being called and then they just happened to have nuns at her school that semester. And she's like, I got to go figure this out. And that's where she, she was like, I'm a nun. And she seems very giddy about it. Yeah. That's the thing that often strikes me is some of these women, it is almost like she says later that she and her mom are looking at all these different orders. She ends up going to the order of that initial sister that she talked with at uh -huh. first when she was interested. But she says it felt like doing online dating. This idea of looking at all these different orders. I and bet. Like, of spending her life with them. Which one are you going to commit to? Yeah. So there's something interesting because I think we have talked about how Catholics don't, our focus is not all Jesus. And, you know, these other Christians talk about this personal relationship with Jesus. And like as Catholics, that's not really language we use. Uh huh. The only place where I have run across that is in these nun videos because these women. <laughs> are identifying as being married to Jesus, actually. Like, actually married to Jesus. So they do feel like they have a personal relationship with Jesus and the saints and Mary, like, all those things. But this is where I hear women talking about, like, yeah, Jesus pursued me, or I had, yeah, I opened scripture, and it was something about God pursuing, and I felt like Jesus was pursuing me and asking me to marry him. I mean, you do, like, hear these narratives. Yeah, I was really struck by I was like, when she said the word per pursue, my instinct is pursue is not a, a healthy thing <laughs> i was yeah. just like oh he's like he's stalking you um so i was like oh i don't like that language and but then she's like really into it yeah it's it i mean 
I will say just her demeanor. First of all, whenever I see a nun in a habit, all I can think about is what do they look like outside their habit? Because right. it changes someone's feature so much. She's young. I don't know. I'm trying to imagine her as like a girl at my high school. And I think I totally can. A lot of these sisters, it seems like they have, they're sort of young with like bubbly personalities. As you're talking, I had to scroll down and just look at the comments. Cause I'm like, who's commenting on this? It is really funny. These comments, like, there's some people are really supportive there's one person who says i've never seen a sister in real life if i did i'd freak out (laughs) really yeah which is really funny and then someone else like i saw one one time and she sat near me with like seven exclamation points like they're these like animals in the wild and someone has like unexpectedly arrived here though i'm a muslim i respect your faith like again i wonder like what rabbit holes people are going in that they stumble upon this video as opposed to pursuing this video. (laughs) (laughs) Pursuing. It's funny because the talking about seeing a nun, a non-religious situation in which I have seen nuns several times is at airports. And um, there was actually one time where I was getting off a flight and we landed and it was like, okay, you can leave. And there was like no movement. And I heard this guy be like, oh, what is a holdup? And he looked, he like craned his neck to look who was on the aisle and he started laughing because there were like four elderly nuns and nobody was saying, anything once they won't do no there were nuns everyone was like well we can't we can't say can you hurry like they're nuns we have to give them (laughs) quiet yeah wow this is really funny people have lots of questions like it's i wonder how catholic all these commenters are because they just like have a lot everyone's fascinated it's a fascinating maybe it's because of the cloistering or maybe it is this some i wonder how they get trained in cultivating this mystique about themselves (laughs) how to be mistaken. I, I think right? it's just the lifestyle it's this very particular style. so this this sister it seems like she and you can watch the whole thing later because now you're probably if you're like me you'll be like i want to learn everything yeah so she works on a campus um i think she works at some kind of resale store and then works on it with students on a campus like catholic students so mm-hmm. she is definitely living like an active life with lot interacting with lots of people throughout the day she seems very happy a lot of these very sisters happy. in these videos seem very happy um, I'm going to send you another one. This is somebody, it's a little bit different. Someone who joined when they were older, like, okay. you know, more into adulthood. Sister Joni? Yes. You let me know when. Okay, here I go. Sister Joni Luna. Let's see what yes. she's got to say. And so I got here and I was around all these women that were interested in social justice issues and uh, they were talking about mercy and justice and I... I mean, I knew about mercy, but not so much about justice, and obviously love. And so I was kind of a little intrigued, but then kind of standoffish, just kind of from the outside looking in. And um, we spent the weekend here, then I went home. And I remember there was something that spoke to me, but I was too, I don't know what the word is, to admit it to myself or to let alone to anybody else. So I kept coming back. I came back for annual meetings. I came back just to come back. Um, and after about like four or five come and sees, I remember Sister Patty Wallace asked me, she said, well, how long have you wanted to be a sister? And I was like, I don't want to be a sister. I just come hang out with y'all because y'all are cool. <laughs> so she just basically talking about how she went and like met some nuns and was like I, f- I feel something and I don't 
I don't know what this feeling is. So she just kept coming back. It does sound like dating. Yeah. So this woman is very interesting. Again, both of these, this woman in particular, I was like, I feel like I would like her. Like if I'm oh, yeah. both of them, but this woman in particular is like, I feel like I'd like her. The narrative seems to be she was not even Catholic. No. Oh, really? She was not religious. She wasn't married. She, I think she lived with her mom or she was pretty close with her mom and had a house and a job that she liked. And she kept buying things. She bought herself a boat. She was like, you know, and just felt mm-hmm. like something was missing. And her friend eventually told her, if you really want to know, I think you're missing God. Like, I think that's what's missing from your life. So she started going different to different kinds of churches. Mm. She doesn't say it, but my sense is she might identify as queer. Um, she talks about mowing the lawn at the home of these two women who live together. That sounds like queer to, queer stuff to me, <laughs> um, <laughs> frankly. So she, <laughs> she, and they invite her to church because one of them is Catholic. So they invite her to church with her and she hasn't been to a Catholic church. She goes and she is kind of feeling something and really responds. She likes that yeah. it's global. She likes that anywhere she goes because I guess she likes to travel. Mm-hmm. I think she's in the Bay Area, so it's probably a more progressive church. And then like. she goes to RCIA, so to become a Catholic. She talks about walking out one day because she found this one speaker really intolerant. And I'm guessing what that was about was LGBT issues. And uh-huh. it sounds like a sister says to her basically like the Catholic church is full of people who everything from believing every piece of the doctrine to just believing some of it. And like, you will find your people. Mm-hmm. If this is meaningful to you, you find your people who share your values within the church. And and that's how that's your journey in the church. That's interesting. It is. So she becomes a Catholic and then she still feels like something's missing. And it sounds like this, this sister invites her to this, like they have, apparently they have these like go and sees where you go stay with some nuns for a weekend and see what it, the lifestyle feels like. And she goes telling herself she's just going because someone asked her to, she's not actually going to join. This sounds almost like she feels like something is pulling her toward it. And she, Uh. she, I know she mentions in the clip I sent you, this idea of never having seen this kind of community of women who are so focused on social justice and spirituality. Right. And that really drawing her in. But yeah, eventually like changing all her life plans to make this her new life later in life. Right. Yeah. It wasn't a young thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. One of these people who comments says like, I always wanted to be a sister, but I have kids. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting, like if people who become later in life, like what options do you have, like how strict it is? So some orders actually will allow women with children to join if they are widowed. Okay, if they're widowed. Of course, you can't be divorced. No, can't be divorced. Can't have had children out of wedlock. None, no, 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 none no, of those no, things no, are allowed. No, no, but no, no, you no, no, no. may be widowed as long as you are pledging poverty, chastity, and obedience. But I have seen videos. Again, we could just like watch if anyone wants to go down a rabbit hole. Hey, this could be our first, like, Patreon, like, watch along. <laughs> Just watch. Watch videos of these nuns talking about their – and sisters talking about their mm-hmm. lives. Yeah, there are women who join when they are widowed. And it does seem like there's maybe some – there could be some um, com- complicated feelings with their kids because it is a lifestyle that you're choosing. And, you know, you can't just send the kids over to grandma's house all the time right. or when she's – living in a convent or even have her come babysit all the time because there are obligations involved mm-hmm. when you're a sister yeah i don't know i think my feelings about it are so are complex i i love that living in community in service is a lifestyle option when yeah. i think about any times where i was temporarily in that situation which really the two times were 
a service trip to Appalachia in high school, which was all girls except for one teacher. And then I did alternative student breaks in college, which is not religious, mm. but just um, we went and did service. Where do, uh, We were working with refugees from Sudan in um, Omaha, of all places. I really loved both those experiences. I think the idea of just doing service, you're with a community of people and you're doing service. I think I felt a real sense of freedom of just being able to serve people. Uh-huh. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I wasn't thinking about, am I making enough money or am I, you know, I, I wasn't making money. I was just doing service. I was just there to serve. And I wasn't worried about whether the job was fun or not, or, you know, it was just felt like I'm being helpful in this moment. In the world. Yeah. And I remember both those situations being surprised at how much I bonded with the other people in the group. Hmm. And in high school, that included some girls I hadn't known very well before. And in college, that included a whole new... I remember we had inside jokes in college in that group. Within like 24 hours, we had a ton of inside jokes. Like there is such a... I feel like when you're doing service work with a group of people, bonding happens very quickly. So I can see the value of those pieces of that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I do see that. I think the poverty, chastity, and obedience are a tough sell though. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel like my grandma became like a pseudo nun after. Same. My grandma would have made a great nun. Yeah. I mean, she got up early to start praying. After her husband died, she I don't think she ever went on a date again. Like she never, I don't think she did any, she was, that was it. And how old was she when she was widowed? In her 30s. Oh, wow. He died when he was like 42, 43. Yeah. I mean, she was 40. And had 12 children. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to raise on her own. Only my dad, the oldest, was out of the house. They were all still home. Mm, wow. And then, yeah. And, I mean, poverty. Like, she wasn't – she worked at St. Uh, retirement home named after John the 23rd. <laughs> so yeah, she was – nice. Sort of worked as a, in service in a religious institution. Like, I was like, you're kind of a nun. My mom was actually just, we started talking about nuns at Easter, <laughs> sister sponsor. Yeah. And my mom was just saying that. And I, I agree, like, except for wanting children, I think my grandma might have become a nun in her life. Um, right. Because, yeah, she basically lived the life of a nun. She had nun friends because they were very similar people. Interesting. I think being religious and, you know, she did work at the church. I mean, she got a job at the church. Like, yeah, sounds like mm-hmm. your grandma, like getting, like working for the church in some way. In a lot of ways, that lifestyle did suit her, I think. The poverty thing I always I find complicated. I think living a simple life, there's actually a lot of value to that in terms yes. of like your own happiness. There really can be. Mm-hmm. I think calling it poverty is complicated to me because... When it's a choice. Yes. You're not actually food insecure or housing insecure. I feel like there's this... When we use that word, there's this assumption that then you know what it means to be poor. But you always have a safety net. But you don't because you absolutely know that you're going to be provided for in one way or another, at least with your basic needs. for truly impoverished people. Yeah. And you don't have children who you're worrying about them, where they want to get their next meal and Mm -hmm. are we going to be evicted and um, have bills piling up and your car needs to be fixed. I mean, I think convents really do stuff you know experience some of those things although they shouldn't um have you listened to the um the turning podcast about mother Teresa's order no i had heard that there were there were folks who disagreed with so much of what mother Teresa, how she practiced her and oh. how she ran her orders uh-huh. But I don't think I understood what the details were or the degree to which. I think we need a whole Mother Teresa episode because especially as 
Catholics in the eighties, like yeah, she's a, she looms large. I mean, I'll let folks listen to the podcast, or maybe they have. I really, you'll you'll find it very interesting stuff. But um, there's almost with Mother Teresa, it's sort of a fetishization of poverty and suffering, which I think mm-hmm. we is sort of the darker side of nuns and sisters to the point of eating moldy bread or um and also self-harm like so that like, like the flogging warning. almost mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. Yeah. like actual self-flagellation like physical self-harm uh-huh. as as a practice and kind of gaslighting and abuse and keeping these women and the organization in poverty when in fact there might have been more resources available uh-huh and what help looks like is help just for your help, suffering people like if you're not doing any kind of prevention are you mm. is that the best way to be serving people if you're really not preventing the pain or suffering you're just treating people as they are as they're suffering mm. is that really ethical well, we should get into that yeah all of that yeah these are both called sisters and religious sisters but something like the sisters of mercy where i went to who ran the high school i went to Versus something like what they these women talk about who worked with Mother Teresa feels worlds apart. And I think that is something that I that we keep coming back to in this podcast, too, is like the Catholic Church. I feel like in some way it builds itself as being much more unified than other churches because you, you are going to go to mass. And you're going to hear the same things at every church globally, and you're going to hear the same readings have literally down to the readings that day. Mm-hmm. But I think there are real differences, too. Yeah. There are orders of religious sisters who live in very different ways, or there are there are people who believe very strongly, who are very strongly, let's something about anti-abortion, and then there are people mm-hmm. who are actually looking for change in those areas, and um, and kind of everything, everything in between. I think mm-hmm. it's actually more nuanced. Yeah, and I think when people think of the Catholic Church or think about something like nuns, they think about one thing, right? Yes. One, there's one image, like. I think Sister Act really did more than most things to like humanize nuns. I say that, yeah. <laughs> it make them seem like people. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're full characters. The sisters at my high school loved that movie. Loved it. We oh, watched it if we like didn't have anything to do. I think other than the sound of music, and that is Maria Leaves being a nun. Mm-hmm. I can't think of other areas of popular culture where you see nuns as individual people. You see sis- I guess sisters as individual people. No, they're just like, yeah, classroom tyrants or uh, scary figures in a lot of yeah. pop culture. Nuns still fascinate me. Sis- I mean, I get, I keep saying nuns. I know. It's going to be really hard to not say nuns. Women religious is the is actually the Women umbrella term. Women religious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Looking at things for this episode and just watching these videos that I find weirdly entertaining, I, I think what it comes back to is that it's not all one thing that living as a woman religious in the Catholic church can look like a lot of different things. It's not just this old lady in a habit who prays mm-hmm. a lot and yells at kids, which is what I think we think of. Although those people exist. They do. I would love our listeners. If you have nuns, nun or sister stories, I would love to hear some of them. Good or bad. So if you have any personal experiences, good or bad or in between or strong opinions or other movies to recommend. I also really would like a current current and former women religious. I would like to interview some some folks. So if you're out there. If you're a listener or if you know if you if your cousin or your sister or your friend is a is a sister and you think she'd like to be on the podcast. I weirdly I remember having the thought years ago like it would be cool to have a nun friend. I remember thinking that. 
Sure. And then I Googled, could I be friends with a nun? And that is a common question out there. People really? want to know if you're allowed to be friends with a nun. Of course you can. You can, but it does feel like an odd thing. And it does feel like the kind of person who just has extra rules in their life. Sure. They might not have the time for you that a non-nun friend would have. That's what I'm saying. But sure. Maybe. Sure. I'm going to make that a goal. I kind of think it would be cool to have a nun friend. I understand that. Or a sister friend. A sister friend. A religious sister friend. I think a nun sister would be tough. Because she's, she's cloistered. Can't do that. But a sister yeah. could do that. Sure. Are there any convents near you? I mean, yeah. There are sisters around. Make it happen. There's one sister who wears a habit who's young, who I've seen at restaurants and things. And I'm like, maybe we could be friends. Would that be make weird? It happen. I don't know. I can't decide if this... Listen, hearing that I, that you and I host this podcast, I feel like it's going to make someone like that either like more interested or less interested in being our friend. And Correct. I don't know. The right person will be interested. That's right. I still hold out hope for that sister friend, <laughs> religious sister friend. Well, thanks for sharing all those stories, Anne. Yeah. Yeah. And now you know the difference between a nun and a sister. And so do I. I had no idea. Uh, collection basket for this week. I don't know if we want to allow ourselves to do this. Could we um, encourage someone to check out a someone who's running for office? To uh, or would that be? Are you mixing your politics and your religion? I am right mixing now? my mixing my politics. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to be. Political. Well, who? Uh, yeah. So in the district where I live, Kina Collins is running for Congress. Her let's see. Her website is kinacollins.com. She's running for Congress in Illinois Seven and. Listen, we talked a lot about service today. Kina is a person who cares a lot about serving the community she grew up in. It feels like I'm reaching, but I'm really not. When I think of the kind of social justice stuff that I came out of high school caring about, in part because of the sisters there, those are the same values that have really made me interested in um, this candidate. So okay. Kina for Congress, check her out. She's she's pretty incredible, and she cares a lot about these issues that we're often talking well, about go. On, the, on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Make sure you check us out on the socials. I'm back on it now. She's back. Yay. It was really exciting to see everything you've posted since I've been Oh, on. yeah. I'm sure you haven't. I was laughing out loud. Now it's like, ooh, good job, Anne. <laughs> um, Thanks. And so please rate, subscribe, and share. And let us know if you've got any nun stories. We want to hear them. We want to yes. hear your nun and sister stories. Yeah. All right, Sam. Well, <laughs> also with you. Also with you, Anne.